Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. so good to see you guys here. I hope you're living your best life. I hope you're being blessed. I hope you're seeing God's hand on you, on your family, on your relationships, and I hope you're seeing victory after victory going on. Now listen, if you're not, it means probably the enemy's launched an attack against you, and you don't just roll over and die from it. You keep going. The next day is another gift from God. Get up and treat it like the psalmist said, when he said, this is the day that the Lord hath made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Regardless of what you're going through, as a born-again child of God, you have God's power in your life. You can overcome it because every day is a gift and one day. And this is what I'm talking about. Those days are going to run out down here. One day you are going to leave this place and not know it like you've known it in the past. So we've got to take advantage of every one of these days. Now, listen, I, I'm excited about heaven. I, I just don't want to go today. There's still other things that I want to do. I want to get a bunch more people to go with us. But there is a wonderful, wonderful day coming. And that day is going to be when you find yourself as a born-again child of God stepping into heaven in God's very presence. All the things you've gone through in life, everything that you have dealt with, listen, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I long for heaven. The older I get, the more friends I have there than I have here. The more family members that I have there than I have here. Now, Jesus tells us that when that day comes, and every one of us, by the way, and we talked about it last week, every one of us are going to leave here either by the rapture, which we believe could happen at any moment, or we're going to leave here in, in something called death, where our body just shuts down and stops working. At that particular moment, you are going to be dead. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. When you're dead, you're not really dead. All you did was change locations to one of two places. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus addressed one of these two places uh, in Luke chapter 16, where he tells us a story that there are two men that died. He says that one of them died. He was a poor man, but he trusted God, so he was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham or into a position of honor at a heavenly banquet. And then he said, and the other guy dies. And when he died, he was buried. He went to a place of the dead where there was torment, and he saw Abraham at a distance, and he saw Lazarus sitting by his side. He goes on to explain that this man in hell had several qualities. Number one, the man in hell had a body. 
because he said, could you send Lazarus to dip his finger in some water and touch my tongue? So if he had a tongue, he had to have a mouth. Had him have a mouth, he had to have a head, and the head bones connected to the neck bone, and you see what I'm saying? So he had a body. He also had a memory. He could remember things. He could remember who, who Lazarus was. He remember how he lived on this earth. And he also had concern, concern that his brothers would not come. Jesus said he was isolated. There's no going to hell and having a party with your friends. If a person goes to hell, they are in total isolation. They are in total torment, and they have concern over those that have not yet come there, that they will not come there because they're not going to join them there anyway. So in contrast to this terrible place that Jesus tells us about, one of the two places that a person is going to go, he tells us about heaven. And one of the titles that he gives heaven is well, let me see if you remember it. When the man on the cross beside Jesus was, was going to die, he asked Jesus if he would remember him when he goes to heaven. And Jesus said to the thief that was dying on the cross beside him, he said, today you will be where? In paradise. Today you will be in paradise. Now, we know that his body didn't go there because his body stayed on the cross. It died, went into the ground, disintegrated. But his soul and spirit that day immediately went to be with the Lord in heaven. So Jesus calls heaven paradise. What a contrast. And then one of my favorite titles for this place called heaven that you and I will go if you know the Lord is when he called it my father's house. My father's house. Now Jesus tells us that we are to pray our father which art in where? Heaven. Well there are three heavens. Did you know that? There's the atmospheric heaven that surrounds the earth where the birds fly where we can still breathe oxygen, where the clouds are. We know that. And then, by the way, when Jesus said, I'm going to come back and create a new heaven and a new earth, he wasn't talking about where God lived way, way up there. No, no. He's just talking about the air that we breathe around, around the earth. So he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth here. And then there's the stellar heaven. That's where the moon is, the stars, the planets, uh, the Milky Way. All that. That's called the stellar heaven. That's the second heaven. And then the third heaven is somewhere way beyond anything that you could possibly see with a with a telescope, and that is where God lives. The Bible says that is God's home. And it is in that place that Jesus has prepared a place for you and I. He told his disciples, I go and prepare a place for you. First, he said, let not your heart be troubled. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, that where I am, there ye may be also. And where I'm going, you know. And the way to get there, he said, you know. Now take a look at this passage on the side screen, John chapter 14, verse 3. In the NLT it says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Always, forever, the Bible says. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I can be a bit much at times. I can be a little hard to deal with. I can be very loud at 5.30 in the morning, and I can completely shut down at 5.30 in the afternoon. I'm not always in the greatest mood. Matter of fact, I'm going I'm to tell you all something that's going to absolutely shock you. Are you ready? Get ready in this room to be completely shocked. Are you ready? I want to see your response of shocked. Okay, are you ready? You would not want to be around me 24-7, 365 days a year. Okay, that was a little over the top, but, <laughs> but the truth, is, isn't that true about all of us? Your pets don't even want to be around you 24-7. Your cat is very obvious about it. Your dog's a little more subtle. 
when I'm uh, at home sometimes with Anna, and I've been there a little bit long, she will say to me, especially if she's working on a project, I'm getting all up in her business, she will say to me, honey, sweetheart, isn't there something up at your office you need to do? Right? And that's her way of saying, just a little bit too much day in right now. That's what she's saying. And I, I get that. And then I'll come up here to the office, I'll run around, I'll make a lot of noise, and then I'll end up in Pastor Tim's office. And about 30 minutes, Pastor Tim will look at me and go, Pastor, Senior, Sir, isn't there something at home that Anna needs you to do? <laughs> right? So the truth about all of us is that we don't want to really do 24-7, 365 for the rest of our life in every minute in that person's presence. But you know what God said? God said, I know all your faults, I know your moods, I know your ups and downs, I know what you're made of, I know your flaws, and I want to do all eternity with you. Well, the truth of the matter is he is going to fix us before that happens. But the Bible says that God wants to do all eternity with us. The reality that God knows you better than anybody else and says, I want to be with you and I want you to be with me. So if you miss heaven, it's not going to be because God didn't want you there. It's going to be because something else happened. You see, every person ought to have heaven on their radar screen. This is your eternal home. This is your big, gigantic makeover of a place where you won't need to remodel it. It is going to be absolutely perfect. And Jesus said he went, when you accept him as the Lord and Savior, he's also preparing a place for you in heaven. Every person should have heaven on their radar screen. It doesn't mean you're so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. It doesn't mean that you, that's all you think about. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the fact that that's where you are going one day if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you won't get either one. So let me just tell you a little bit, answer some questions about our Father's house. Here's the question. Will heaven be boring? Will it be boring? I've heard people say from time to time, I think when we get to heaven, it's going to be one big, gigantic, boring church service forever. We're going to get tired of sitting and singing and doing. No, no, no. It's not that at all. I've, I've had grown adults believe that when they die and they go to heaven, that they are going to sit on a cloud strumming a harp for the rest of eternity. And I'm thinking, they didn't get their theology out of the Bible. They got their theology from a Tom and Jerry cartoon. <laughs> That's not what heaven is at all. Heaven is not going to be a boring place. The psalmist said in Psalm 16, verse 11, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Heaven is going to be a pleasurable place. Let me put it another way. Heaven's going to be fun. To imagine that heaven is going to be boring is to believe that God is boring. But think about this, if you would. Our desire for pleasure, our desire for joy and happiness comes directly from the hand of God. He made your taste buds. He created you with adrenaline running through your veins and nerve endings that convey pleasure to your brain. Our imaginations, our desires for adventure, our love to take on a challenge, our enjoyment of peace and tranquility, the awe of being able to look at a sunset or even enjoy a sunrise, all come from our Heavenly Father. And everything that He created, He did so for our enjoyment. You see, everything in heaven will be the exact opposite of that which is boring. 
That leads me to my next question. Okay, it's not going to be boring in heaven, but will we recognize each other? Will you recognize me? Will I recognize you? Matter of fact, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible says Jesus met with two people from heaven, Moses and Elijah. Am I right? And the Bible says Peter, James, and John, who were with Jesus when that meeting took place, recognized that it was Moses and Elijah. But they had never met Moses and Elijah, and they didn't have a picture of Moses and Elijah. And Moses and Elijah lived in a generation way before their generation, but they know who they were. So there is some kind of recognition factor in heaven that not only allows you to recognize those people that you knew here on earth, but to recognize people you didn't know. Paul, Daniel, many, many others in the Bible that you would like to have a conversation with. And time's so different in heaven, you could have a lunch with Daniel, talk to him for two months, and you've only been there a short time. Heaven is going to be a wonderful place where we do recognize each other. We're going to know who each other are. When you get to heaven, you don't lose your personality. You don't lose your identity. You don't lose your sense of humor. You are not going to lose you. And you're not going to turn into an angel either. Have you heard people say that? Have you heard people say when they lost a loved one, they'll say, well, heaven got another angel today. Were you an angel down here? Did you have wings down here? Angels are created being from God. They are not humans that have accepted Christ as their personal Savior. When you get to heaven, heaven is going to get you, the born-again you, the saved you, the flawless you, the living forever in that body you. That's who they're going to get. They're not going to get some odd version of you. They're just going to get you in a new glorified body. You guys ever remember that? It's been a long time ago now. You had a lot of commercials on called Body by Jake. You all remember? How many remember Body by Jake? It'll, it'll date you a little bit. Well, we're going to have Body by Jesus. See, right now I've got Body by Mexican food. <laughs> Tacos, burritos, tostadas. But we're going to have Body by Jesus. What does that mean? That means that you and I are going to have the same body that Christ had when he came out of the grave. That's what it said. Like unto his glorious body. What is our body going to look like? Like unto his glorious body. You see, the rapture is not just a great evacuation plan to get us out of here. The rapture is when our bodies are reconstructed and mashed back up with our soul and spirit. When your loved one dies, right? We talked about it last week. They go to heaven, their body and spirit went to their soul and spirit went to heaven. Their body went in the ground disintegrated, cremated, buried, whatever it might be. And at the resurrection, at the rapture, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Who's that? It's the bodies of people that, hadn't, that are in heaven. And they're matching back up with the soul and spirit. Boom. And then those of us who are still alive, then we go up and we meet them to forever be with the Lord. So we're going to get a new body, and the Bible says that body's like Christ. So if you want to know what kind of bodies we're going to have, it's real important that you know what type of body Christ had. And by the way, look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Then, talking about in heaven, I will know fully, even as I have been known. So is this body of Christ that we're going to have? We're going to know everybody, and they're going to know us. And you know, So let's just talk about what Jesus looked like. The Bible says when Jesus came out of the grave and he met with the disciples, the Bible said they recognized him. They knew him as the same Jesus before he died on the cross, before he was placed in the grave. They knew exactly who he was. And Jesus said to them, they, she said, scars right here, see my side, right here. 
So Jesus wanted them to know, I'm not a spirit body. Handle me. Jesus told them, handle me. So these are things that we know about Jesus' body after, and it's the very same thing we'll know about ours when we die and, and, and when the, our bodies are resurrected. Number one, Jesus, after he died and came back out of the grave in his resurrected body, ate twice that we know of according to Luke chapter 24. So Jesus ate. The Bible says in heaven we're going to have banquets. So it's not necessarily that we have to eat, but eating might be an enjoyment. And if that's the case, we see that Jesus could eat food in his resurrected body. So there you go. Tamales, burritos, here we go. John chapter 20 tells us three things, no four about Jesus. Number one, John chapter 20 tells us that Jesus' body was touchable. Remember, he said, touch my hands, touch my side. His body, watch this, was huggable. He told Mary, I'm going to heaven, you know, but don't hug me right now. But it meant that his body was huggable. Now think about that for a moment. One of these days when you get to heaven, you are going to see your mama and you are going to hug her neck again. You're going to hug that child that you saw uh, that died maybe at a young age. You're going to hug that grandma. You're going to touch them. It's nothing weird. We're going to see each other, and we're going to be, and just like Jesus was recognized, there's not going to be much difference in you except for one thing I'll get to in a minute. The, the, the next thing that we see in John chapter 20 is that Jesus was not limited to our means of transportation. He didn't have to call, make a reservation, jump on a plane, get here to there. The Bible says on Sunday, Jesus talked to Mary Magdalene and said, tell the disciples that I'm ascending to heaven. I'm going up, but I'll be back. She goes to tell them while she's in the room Sunday night. He goes to the third level of heaven where God is and comes back in a matter of a few hours. Now imagine that. How did he do that? And then when he got to where they were, the door was locked, but he just appeared inside the room. Oh, we're going to get to do that. So touchable tangible, but being able to go through solid, solid uh, blocks of wood or whatever it might be. So the Bible says Jesus, and here's, here's what it is. We're going to be able to travel, are you ready, at the speed of thought. Ann and I have always liked taking day trips, man, whether it's just going down to Montrose for lunch or maybe over to Rifle or someplace out of town where we can hit a different restaurant or someplace to shop. And we, we've enjoyed doing that so much. We've talked about our day trips when we get to heaven. We've already talked about it. We're going to wake up one day. Honey, you, you want to go to Jupiter? Grand men to Jupiter. How about the Milky Way? Let's, let's zip over to the Milky Way. We'll be back at lunch, right? And be able to do these kind of, because we'll be able to, step, we'll be able to go from heaven when, during the millennium. We'll be able to go to heaven, down to earth, and our body can handle both atmospheres. That's Jesus. That was what his body was. Now, are you ready for this? Here's my question. Will there be babies crawling around in heaven on Golden Street? Will Grandma be 98 years old when she left here walking around on a walker? Maybe her walker will be taken away because of that flaw. But will she, she still be cripping around as the 99-year-old Grandma you remember? What about a child that died at six? What about babies that were stillborn at nine months? What about them? Is that what they're going to look like because that's what they were when they died? No. The Bible didn't say that people are going to be what they were when they died. The Bible said we will be likened unto Jesus' body. And Jesus could have lived here till 90 years when an old man decided to die on the cross at 90. He could have lived, be 16, did it at 16. He could have died when he was in his 20s. You know what age he chose to die? Does anybody want to holler out? What, how old was he? 33 and a half years old. I think 33 and a half years old, pretty good age, don't you? 
So every grandma, back to 33 and a half. Every baby to 33 and a half. You say, well, I miss holding that child. I think God's going to make your mind and your memory blessed by the fact that your loved one, your child is going to be there. But think about it for a moment. No more, it's hard to get off the floor because you're 65. <laughs> no more of that. No more getting tired. You know, Jesus took naps when he was on this earth, but there's no mention in the Bible of him taking a nap in his glorified body. Right? Heaven is going to be a beautiful place. You see, heaven is a real place. You're going to have a real body. You're going to be recognized, and you're going to recognize others. But maybe there's one more, maybe one more. See if I can stay with an R. <laughs> you're going to need a reservation to get in there. You're going to need a reservation to get in. It's a real place. You're going to have a real body. You're going to be recognizable, and you'll recognize others, but you can't get in with that reservation. There's a story that's told about a, a woman by the name of, I think her name was Ruth Anna, Ruth Anna and her husband Roy. And they, she, she was a wedding singer, and she sang at major events. And up in Seattle, there's this building called the Columbian Building, and then the top two floors of it are for a venue for those really elite kind of banquets and a really wealthy man was having a wedding for his daughter, and he rented up the two top floors, and there was going to be a wedding reception that would take place after this particular wedding ceremony. And Ruth Anna was a singer. So she went to the wedding, she sang. It was beautiful, it was a beautiful ceremony. And then she went to this building where she would enjoy the greatest banquet, her and her husband, the greatest feast uh, that she had ever attended on this, on this, in this lifetime. And when she got there, it was immaculate. I mean, everything was beautiful. The maitre d' that was standing at the bottom of the staircase for them to walk up, the bride and the groom were there. But the maitre d' stopped them and held out a book that was bound and said, would you tell me your name, please? She said, I'm Ruth Anna, my husband Roy, and she gave him her last name. And the guy looked in the book and said, I can't find it. Would you spell it for me? She said very carefully and slowly spelled her name. And the man said, ma'am, I'm sorry but your name is not written in this book. And she said, well, there has to be some mistake. I sang at the wedding just a little bit ago. And the maitre d' said, ma'am, I don't care if you sang at the wedding a little bit ago. I don't even care who you are. The only thing that matters is whether or not your name is in this book. And when your name is not in this book, you are not getting in. And then he motioned to a, a, a waiter and had him come over and and he told the waiter, he said, will you please escort this couple to the service elevator? And so he did. Escorted them over, reached inside the door, hit the ground floor for them to go to the parking garage. When they got in the car, they drove for about five miles, and they didn't say a word. And um, Ruth Anna finally started to cry. And her husband reached over and grabbed her hand and said, honey, what happened? And she said, you know, she said, I got an RSVP a month ago. She said, but things were busy, and I just didn't get around to it. So I didn't sign it. I didn't give it any attention. I didn't send it in. But she said, when he got here, I thought, well, I'm singing at the wedding. Surely with me doing that, they're going to let me get, in a, let me get into, uh, into the banquet. But they didn't. Well, Ruth Anna was a Christian, and she told her husband a little later, she said, you know, and she wrote this down. She said, it kind of reminds me of when people think they're going to get into heaven. They're going to say, I did this, I did that, went to Fellowship Church, did a lot of other things. Revelation chapter 21, verse 17 says, the only people that are getting into heaven 
are those whose names have been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you, your name's written down. My name was written down in that book when I was 12 years of age. I was in a Christian school chapel class. The pastor was Dr. Bob Ware. I prayed that prayer of salvation. And then he said, go run around, tell your school teachers, tell your friends. And I did that too. My name is written down at 12. I've got a reservation. And I get there, they ask me my name, I'll tell them. They'll look it up and they'll see it. Do you have a reservation? Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart and save you? Here's the good news. God is still taking reservations today. Right now, before you get out of here, you can RSVP right here in this room. Heaven is a place that you don't want to miss. The alternative is horrible and lonely and isolated and filled with regrets. Heaven's going to be a party. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to be with God forever. So if you're not sure you've RSVP'd, if you're not sure you've made your reservation, please do that with me today. Would you bow your heads, please, all over the house? Would you bow your heads? And I want to ask you to please pray out loud this prayer, even if you've done it 50 times. Help somebody sitting around you. Let them hear you. And pray this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my sins. I know I'm a sinner. And I need to be saved. I'm making Jesus my Lord and Savior. I'm calling upon you, Jesus. Save me. Give me a home forever in your heaven. Prepare a place for me. I love you. I trust you. And I know only because of you, I will be in heaven someday. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening in this world, isn't it? I mean, when you watch the news and all the things that are happening, the anti-Semitism that is taking place, all around the globe is to a level that we've never, ever seen. These are the most unbelievable, exciting, thrilling days that we've ever lived. Things are lining up in prophecy and the rapture is the next event that's gonna happen. I talk to people sometimes and they say, you know, I just wish things would get back to normal, that the news would get back to normal. But ladies and gentlemen, please pay close attention. Since October the 7th, things will never again be normal. Because in case you hadn't been paying attention, normal's not coming back. Jesus is. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94,000 to connect with our staff. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you in prayer. As always, we are still just a phone call away. 
You can contact us at 970-245-PRAYER with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.